in this edition of Hoosology. Matt and Justin welcome the host of Count It on the PointsBet USA YouTube channel, Kazim Fumude. We get Kazim's inside analysis of the recent hot streak of the New York Knicks, contenders in the Eastern and Western Conference, the shocking dominance of the Sacramento Kings, the rise of sports betting, and we even sneak in a little bit of a chat about WrestleMania as well. Please email your questions to hoopsologypod at gmail.com and follow us on all social media platforms for our latest content. We also have our YouTube channel as well. You can catch our shorts and shorter clips. We are a proud member of Underdog Podcast. And now, Kazim Fumune. He is the host of Count It on the Points Bet USA YouTube channel. We welcome Kazim Fabude onto Hoopsology. How's it going, Kazim? I'm doing good, man. I'm enjoying myself. How about you guys? Doing really well. Thanks for joining us. Really appreciate it. And I've been looking forward. I'm a big fan of just your work, just all over. Um, I've been following you just since you've written for the WWE. So you're just content on the ringer and just your coverage, just uh, with basketball, just other things you do. So I'm just a huge fan of yours in general. But uh, we are a basketball podcast. Maybe we'll touch on some wrestling later on. But okay. I just want to pick your brain on just the sports betting aspect of basketball. I think it's really fascinating. Matt and I cover odds. Um, our podcast and i want to pick your brain in terms of what's gone down in the nba really the past month or so with all these big trades and what you've noticed in terms of just movement wise just in terms of the odds of just like mvp or just who's going to win the title just based on the big trades that just gone down in the nba just within the past few weeks or so so are there any trends that you've seen so far that's like really stuck out to you or has things remained the same mostly uh, things have remained mostly the same. Nikola Jokic still kind of is, is, is the front runner for MVP, but not by much. Uh, Joel Embiid and Giannis Antetokounmpo have uh, made some real strong headway as far as uh, betting odds are concerned. But uh, Jokic is still sort of the favorite. I think as long as the Denver Nuggets continue to be the number one seed in the Western Conference and uh, Nikola Jokic continues to uh, play the way he plays, um, you know, it, it, it's, I think he, he's going to continue to stay on the MVP trail. However, I know the Nuggets and the Sixers do play each other very soon. And the way Embiid's been playing lately, he's been making a strong case for being the guy who's going to walk away with that trophy this year. So if there's anything that I think that could really sway the opinions of uh, the MVP voters, it's definitely going to be that head-to-head matchup between Embiid and Jokic later this season. Um I think Joel Embiid has been absolutely phenomenal. I said he's he's a mix of Hakeem Olajuwon with Kobe Bryant uh, shot selection, right? Like just <laughs> the, the, as far as the volume is concerned, as far as um, you know the, the level of difficulty of shots that he makes, as far as his efficiency at the free throw line, we've really never seen a, a guy that big be that uh, effective as a scorer, especially from the volume of, of how he shoots. You know, he's in. Uh, a class of like the Curry's and the class of like the LeBron's just as far as like being able to be inefficient in the paint, knock it down from three. Uh, obviously we saw that buzzer beater fade away. He had the other night. Um, there's nothing he can't do in his offensive arsenal. And that's the fact he's seven feet tall, 285 pounds. It, it, it's really, he's really is a load. And as a Knicks fan, it really sucks that we probably got to go through him uh, <laughs> to have any sort of success for the next four years. But that's how good he's been. Not, not to take away anything from Jokic as well. I think, uh, you know, he, he's on his second year uh, defending the MVP award, but trying to go for his third. And, um, you know, I think the trade deadline really helped both of those guys' cases because as far as the Lakers are concerned, they obviously made the most moves. Um, I would say the New York Knicks probably made the most impactful move with, with Josh Hart. But, um, 
the Nuggets and the Sixers both made moves that really helped uh, uh, even out the offenses for, for both of those teams and the defense and Jada McDaniels for uh, the, the Philadelphia 76ers and um, a handful of people. I think uh, Reggie Jackson, if, if I'm not mistaken, uh, from the LA Clippers really helps out that bench unit for the Denver Nuggets as well. So even though they were understated moves, it sort of continues to help build the case because now I think those guys are so uh, separated by such razor, razor thin margins that uh, it's going to be all about winning. And they have a head-to-head matchup. I know it's a regular season award, uh, but I really do feel like that game is going to sway a lot of opinions as far as uh, how voters uh, vote on MVP this year. You mentioned the trade deadline and, of course, the mega move, KD being sent to the Suns. What have you seen shift with that move going down? Well, uh, before his uh, foot injury, um, I would say that they were one of the odds-on favorites in the Western Conference to come out of the uh, uh, you know the West this year. Uh, however, we're seeing now that uh, with Kevin Durant not being in the lineup and trading away the the amount of plays that you need to trade away to acquire a talent like Kevin Durant, that um, you know now uh, you see the, the the lack of depth that that team really has. And that's important because the Western conference is so dense between spots number three, all the way down to what, 12, maybe like, I think they're separated by maybe four games as of of this recording or something like that. So missing two or three or four games could really be catastrophic for any team in the Western conference. Talk less of the Phoenix suns. So, um, you know, the, the, the suns, I think last time I looked were in the fourth seed or the fifth seed right now. They want to do everything they can to avoid the sixth seed or the seventh seed because, you know, that top three in the Western Conference is really starting to really shake out as far as the Kings, Grizzlies, and the Nuggets are concerned. Um, And as good as Kevin Durant is, as much as a hand-in-glove fit that he is to any team of championship aspirations, just because he's probably the most efficient scorer we've ever seen at his size, that's still a brand-new team. That's still a lot of people to get acclimated. That's still – you know, a lot of veteran players that need to, you know, get right. And on top of that, it's not like they're going to have any cakewalks to, you know, really get themselves acclimated. They're going to be thrown right into not just the playoff push, but the push to get into the playoffs if Kevin Durant gets back uh, sooner. So um, it's going to be really interesting, man. Like, I know that was the biggest splashiest trade next to uh, Kyrie Irving going to the Mavericks, Um, but uh, it might not be a trade that is really fruitful, at least for this year just because of the timing of the injury and just how much you'll need to be able to uh, uh, get them all on the same page in time to make a a true playoff run. In any other year, I'd still kind of feel strongly about it, but the West is just so dense and so tight this year that is it going to be the Kings? Is it going to be the Nuggets? Are are the Mavericks going to get it together in time? Are the Warriors starting to click out at the right moment? Like, is John Morant going to come back? Like, there's just so many questions that, just saying, hey, Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, uh, Chris Paul, and DeAndre Ayton are enough to run the West is, is probably a fool's errand at this point, uh, especially given Kevin Durant's injury. So I'm curious, what kind of feedback have you gotten about the Kings? Um, are they like a legitimate threat to make a deep playoff run, or are people not taking them seriously from just the feedback you've gotten or from a betting perspective? Like, what do you make of this team overall? Because it's certainly a shock to Matt and I. <laughs> 
So for, to my previous point, right? Like I, I believe in it. Me personally, I'm a big fan of the Sacramento Kings. I, I call them my hoop mixtape team just because they have all <laughs> players that I, I grew up watching on YouTube, right? Like the Aaron Fox, <laughs> Monk, Harrison Barnes, like all these guys I've just watched for a long time. And I'm a big fan of Mike Brown too. I think he got caught the raw end of the deal uh, for a lot of his last coaching stops. So to see him have this sort of success in Sacramento uh, is really dope to see. And I think they're a great team. You know, I watched a whole lot of DeMontis Sabonis when he was on the Indiana Pacers. And a lot of people really poo-pooed on that trade uh, when they got rid of Tyrese Halliburton. And now it's looking like a trade that really has benefited both teams uh, for the Indiana Pacers and the Sacramento Kings. The Kings are just deep, man. Like, they're deep. They can score with anybody. They have an incredible home court advantage, and they're well coached. My only issue is my aforementioned point. Are the Phoenix Suns going to get healthy in time where they have to run into them in the first round? Are Kyrie and, and Luka Doncic going to go on the, on the, on the, you know, are they going to go Super Saiyan in the last few weeks of the season and just like shoot you out the gym? Are the Warriors going to get, get it together at that time? Like I, I would want to avoid that third seed if I was in the Western Conference. Like obviously you want to stay out of the play-in, but that third seed is going to be so unfair to somebody, right? Like just because of the way the Western Conference is, has played out this year um but yeah man like i'm really excited to see exactly uh where they go and uh you know i i think as far as being a real contender in in, and going and representing the western conference in the nba finals it's a possibility you know what i mean like i don't think it's it's out of the uh, it's it's too uh you know i don't think it's necessarily something that people should be scared of seeing um, they're well coached. They have great point guard play. They have a multi-dimensional all-star big man. They got scoring off the bench. They got great defense. They got uh, Keegan Murray, a young rookie who may be just as good or if not better than all these guys in three or four years. Who knows? You know, so I really do like the Sacramento Kings this year, but I just think the Western Conference is just so tightly packed that uh, that third seed is going to draw somebody who either got some championship experience or has players with a lot of championship experience in them. And the Sacramento Kings just haven't been there yet. So it's hard for me to just pick them against somebody that they're going to go up against. Yeah. I guess my follow-up with the Kings would be, I mean, does it concern you? Like if, if you were to bet on the Kings that they don't have that sort of traditional, like star player, like one of the top players in the Western conference. I mean, of course, what Fox and Sabonis have been doing, maybe I'm underselling them. Should they be seen as those star players, even though they haven't been to the playoffs at this point? I mean, I always think those arguments about like, you can't win with star players is such a, a, a weird argument, right? Cause it's like, when do you have opportunities to prove you're a star in the playoffs, <laughs> right? Like True. people will say Jalen Brunson wasn't a star this year, but I'm pretty sure if you can give Luka Doncic a magic wand and, and bring it back to where they were this time last year, I'm sure he'd love to have him back. Just because you're not a superstar in name doesn't mean you don't have superstar production. And De'Aaron Fox and DeMontis Sabonis both put out superstar production this year. They're one of the most talented duos in the entire NBA. So they have just as good an opportunity to show out as much as anybody. And the great thing about it is, Unlike the superstars that we mentioned, they don't got to do it all by themselves. They got a pretty deep roster. You know what I'm saying? Like they got, um, you know, they got some great shooters. They got Kevin Herter. They got Malik Monk. Um, you know, Harrison Barnes has been there before. You know what I mean? Like he wasn't necessarily the, the engine that drove that those Golden State Warriors teams, but he was pretty important. And he's, he's, he's seen yeah. some things. Um, and DeMontis Sabonis, man, like 
he just he, he he kicks ass, man. Like he's a guy who can really do everything as a big dude, and I'm a big fan of his. And um, you know, what better time to introduce yourself to the world stage and introduce yourself as a superstar than in the playoffs, you know? So I, I don't necessarily think the, you know, I know there's there's superstars and that, that club, the Curries, the Tatum, the Durants, you know what I mean? Like the LeBrons, they live in a Luca, they they live in a very exclusive club, but I think uh, what we've seen in, in the past several years and, uh, in, in, you know, uh, what matters more than a superstar in a championship run is depth and defense. Being able to go nine deep with players that you can get contributions from, especially in your bench, because once you get to a certain level, a lot of starting fives are pretty evenly matched, right? Like you're going to need those sixth, seventh, or eighth men that, you know, that, that can really contribute starter level potential. And um, the Sacramento Kings have the opportunity to do that. So do the Denver Nuggets, though. If John Morant returns, so do the Grizzlies. Um, and, you know, some of these superstar top-heavy teams, like we're seeing with the Phoenix Suns, they have superstars, right? Chris Paul, Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, but they have no depth. So they need to do a lot to lean on those type of teams. And we've seen superstar teams go into playoffs this, in the past several years and lose to teams that may have a star player, but had more depth, had more players to throw at to wear them down, you know? And I think that's more important than just having a name that you can give the ball to with five seconds left in the clock to win you a game, because sometimes it doesn't come down to that. Sometimes you just lose by 10 or 12 and you just get beat soundly. You know, so we all like the magical Michael Jordan, you know, three, <laughs> two, one sort of buzzer beater sort of stuff. But sometimes basketball doesn't come down to that. Sometimes the game is over with like 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter. I like those teams better than those superstar heavy teams this year. For sure. We're, we're conditioned to like that. Um, <laughs> wanted to ask you about NBA betting in general. Um, you know, a lot of people in the past have, have said it's kind of like a fool's errand to bet game to game. But want to ask you specifically, what do you see as far as like value betting in the modern NBA now in the 2020s? Um, what do you see as maybe that narrative has shifted a little bit? What do you see as far as like trying to make wise bets when looking at the NBA? Uh, I would say, you know, I, I love just picking games. You know what I mean? Like I'm a big money line guy. So sometimes, cool. you know, picking spreads and seeing how much a, a team's going to win by, unless it's a team with a very um, specific sort of characteristic, I used to try to stay away from that. You know, I, I don't necessarily call myself like a straight up sports better. I'm a basketball fan first and I watch the game. So if I know the Heat are playing against a team with, with not a whole lot of experience, I know there's going to be some unders over there. I know they're going to play at a slow pace. I know Jimmy Butler is going to go to the free throw line a zillion times, right? Like there's some great props over there. I'm a big time Knicks fan. I watch more Knicks basketball than a regular human probably should watch. But what I do know for the past several months is that Emmanuel quickly has been one of the best rebounding guards in the NBA. So when you talk about getting some nice props over there, sometimes you can find some of those players that either six men or guys off the bench that have a stat that not a lot of people have caught up to. I think everybody kind of caught up to the Josh Hart rebounding numbers as well. You know what I mean? He's one of the great rebounding guards. I love getting little prop bets on those type of uh, situations. Um, in addition to that, uh, I, I just always tell people when it comes to the NBA, especially since there's so much games and, you know, a lot of times there's load management and a lot of times we got uh, injury reports that don't come out until 30 minutes before tip off. And we do a show where I'm taping at 10 a.m. in the morning. And a lot of times I'm not going to know if Giannis or Kyrie is going to play <laughs> until 
30 minutes before the game. So I tell people, yo, with caution, please, if this person is playing, then go that way. I did that yesterday. You know, I, I said, listen, if Giannis isn't playing, give me the Kings at home. I think it's going to be a good one. And then Giannis played. And he had a monster game, and he was the exact reason why that they won that game. I would just say, just know your basketball, man. Like, don't necessarily be somebody who uh, just bets just for the sake of compulsive betting. You know, I try to bet with my heart and just being a fan of the NBA for a long time and just a fan of players and just seeing people that have favorable matchups in certain situations. I know the Rockets and the Celtics were like a 12-point cover last night or something like that, mm. and I said – that's just that's just way too many points. And I'm a big believer in Jalen Green. And I think towards the end of the season, when there's about like 12 or 15 games left in the season, you got really much nothing to play for. You know guys are going for their numbers. And Jalen Green's, you know, he kind of he, – he reminds me of a guy that's going to say, hey – even though we've only got 15 wins this year, I got to show that I'm 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 the truth. I'm a bucket. You know what I'm saying? So sometimes, sure. even though they're going up against the Boston Celtics, a team that should beat them, which they didn't yesterday, they're either going to make it close or Jalen Green's going to get his. Or a player of a similar ilk is going to get his. I, I just think, just look at the game, look at the schedules. Uh, the NBA is just kind of in three parts. So I try to avoid... Uh, you know, trade deadline, all-star break, you know, things where just there's not a whole lot of certainty. But you got a stretch between the beginning of the season to Christmas that you can have a lot of fun with. You got that stretch between Christmas to the all-star break, which you can, you know, find some sleepers and people that the NBA haven't really caught up to. And then by now, you can probably have a nice stretch run where you know who players are at this point, right? Like, you kind of know when you know you're going to get some rebounds from from uh, a certain power forward you're going to get uh, a nice three-point prop from somebody who's been shooting the ball recently or you're going to get a nice assist prop from a player who's been a great scorer and knows that they're going to start keying in on this person or they just traded for a shooter or they just or, or, or any of those things that you know you just kind of see when it comes to either young players on the come up or players that haven't necessarily uh broke out in the national limelight yet if you're going to do a same game parlay, that's the only time I really go with stars because there's not a whole lot of value. Like sometimes I like to start it off with like, okay, Giannis points, rebounds. He's getting me at least 40 something, right? Like that's going to be 30 points. So I have rebounds on somebody. That's a nice start. So a nice leg. And then sometimes I'll find some nice three point props. I like some assist props. I like some rebound props. I like for some good value and a player that's usually on a bench or it hasn't really caught up to the rest of the NBA yet. So I want to talk about your New York Knicks, and they're a very fascinating team to watch. I'm a Bulls fan, so just even though they're rivals, I'm always checking what the Knicks are doing. What do you make of just this season? You mentioned Josh Hart, and what's kind of the end game for this team? Because are are you seeing this roster as it currently constructed to have more potential in future seasons, or do you think, based on their playoff run that they're going to have this season? You're you're expecting them to make some changes in the offseason to improve, you know, the, the end game being the next winning the title. But there's some steps in order to make that happen. So what are your kind of expectations for this season overall, especially when they hit the playoffs? I, I said it in the beginning of the year, one of my first shows on Count It was uh I think I had my friend Danny LaPriori, uh, who's a stand-up comedian. And um we go to a lot of Knicks. Well, we talk a lot of Knicks before, before, but I go to a lot of Knicks games. And he asked me, like, how far away are the Knicks? I'm like, I don't think they're that far away. Like, I think that they're, they're well set up as far as, uh, 
you know, not trading for Donovan Mitchell, not really mortgaging their future off rip. Even if this was a terrible season, they still got all those picks that they got from Dallas and all of their own picks. So even if they were not going to have a good season, they still had opportunity to build for the future. Now, add to the fact that Emmanuel quickly has taken a step up. Julius Randle has returned to all-star form. Jalen Brunson is the biggest uh, off-season impact signing uh, in the NBA this year. He's probably in the in the mix for most improved player. Um, Emmanuel quickly in the mix for six man of the year. Um, Tom Thibodeau got himself out of coaching purgatory, which is hard to yeah. do in New York City. Like when the fans want your head on a stick, it's almost a matter of time before it happens. But Tom Thibodeau, Harlem shook out the pressure and, you know, he's got the Knicks playing very well. On top of that, man, like some very underrated things about this Knicks team that makes me see that they're going to, you know, uh, be good in the future is just the way that they've treated guys like, Evan Fournier and Derrick Rose, right? These are guys that in the past you would think were just typical Tom Thibodeau guys, veterans, people that have been there before, and Knicks fans have kind of seen it for a long time. But the fact that they kind of stayed ready all year and veterans are so important in the NBA. I don't think a lot of people really, even if they don't play, like veterans are so important as far as like establishing a culture for a team and the Knicks veteran is Derrick Rose, one of the most respected, beloved NBA figures in the entire – you're a Chicago Bulls fan. You know how much you know exactly. love we all have for Derrick Rose, you know what I'm saying? And he's, true. he's kind of adopted this sort of like hood Yoda of like the youth guards in the NBA where it's like I watch – you know, sometimes I, you know, I, I go to a lot of the games, I watch them warm up, and Derrick Rose and Evan Fournier are in there working out like you know, it's the playoffs tonight and they're breaking the sweat and they're getting a really good work at it. But another thing that I noticed is that every single young guard always goes up to Derrick Rose or at least just watches him or at least gives him a pound, has a conversation with him. You know what I'm saying? And the Brunson of it all, the Randall of it all, RJ, uh, Josh Hart, all those guys are going to get a ton and uh, and of well-due um, uh, props for the turnaround for the next season. But I think the fact that Derrick Rose, once Derrick Rose, who had an opportunity to go to a lot of places and, you know, still contribute at a high level, said, no, I want to stay here. I like what's being built here. That said a lot about where the Knicks franchise was four years ago when, you know, it was free agency season and the Knicks, you know, didn't get the the big prizes uh, as it would as they were called four years ago. I think the Knicks kind of made out better than the Nets because of that. But. I would say that the Knicks right now are are built for not just success this year, but sustained success success in the future. I, I feel like they're kind of already playing with house money. Um, I, I don't necessarily think that. I think after they beat the Celtics uh, for the third time, they kind of put the NBA on notice. So now expectations are raised. But I would love for them to get out the first round. Getting out the first round should be priority number one and then after that you're playing with house money now you're going to be the nuisance now you're going to be in a position that i kind of wish the knicks were in for several years which is the young hungry just irritants to the contenders right like the thunder several years ago the memphis grizzlies last year like uh i think the atlanta hawks a couple years back like just a team that has so much potential some stars 
and the opportunity to make life really hard for the Celtics and the Bucks of the world going into the to the playoffs. So that's all I'm really hoping for. But in the future, I think the Knicks have shown that like you don't need to come and be the savior here. Like there's pieces here now. Like you don't necessarily need to come and put on the shoulders, which I think kind of scared off a lot of players of of being the guy who helped bring the Knicks back to relevancy. The Knicks are relevant again. You don't necessarily need to to do all that. So I think now they're they're in the best shape that they've been in my adult life to be an attractive organization. I think the one thing that they do need to do is get like a practice facility like close by to the arena. I think that's the one thing that they they truly need to do that I don't think gets discussed enough when it becomes to attracting big time free agents uh, in the NBA because you know I love Westchester, but Westchester and MSG are a little bit of a trip from one another. You know what I'm saying? But I don't, I think that might all be irrelevant at this point. I think the New York Knicks are a prime for success, um, and there's some very important free agents. Some very impactful free agents that will be available or might be available in the next two years that I think fit in perfectly for the New York Knicks to at least be taken as a serious contender in the NBA. Anyone in particular you have you have your sights on? If uh, if you could take your pick, I mean, there's a few that that I love. You know what I mean? Like I think I, I'm I'm keeping a close eye on the Phoenix Suns. Keeping a close yep. eye on the Dallas Mavericks, keeping a close. I think I think a lot of people have Giannis dreams. I don't think I'm one of them. I think I think Milwaukee's pretty well run and they're set and they're they're, they're going to keep putting players around Giannis to stay relevant. Which uh, you know I think they're going to keep them well, but they rolled the dice on this Kyrie and Luca thing, and you know if it doesn't work out, if Kyrie's out of there, who else are you going to get to play with them? Does Luca start to get frustrated? Then you start to want that old thing back with Jalen Brunson and be like, hey, man, like, it'll be nice to figure this out and get us back on track. Maybe. Um, Devin Booker. I mean, if the KD Chris Paul thing doesn't work out, if DeAndre Ayton continues to kind of be an up and down sort of player, who knows where he wants to end up in a couple of years? You know what I'm saying? So those are the places that I have my eyes on as far as like attracting a marquee player in the next several years for the New York Knicks. So uh, before I let you go, I got to ask you, since you, you have tons of knowledge within the pro wrestling area, <laughs> pro wrestling um, genre per se, got to get, gotta get your feedback on just WrestleMania this year. What do you think in terms of Los Angeles? Are you going, first of all? Yeah, um, yeah. I'll be in, uh, I'll be in uh, L.A. doing uh, the Ring of Wrestling show and Mass Man show all week long out of there. I'll be doing and hosting and curating Wally Mania out there, nice. the big kickoff party Thursday yeah. night. Um, I've been waiting for WrestleMania in Los Angeles for a long time uh, because uh, I've never been to SoFi Stadium. SoFi Stadium it looks like an incredible venue, and the card's going to be awesome. Um, the Bloodline storyline's been one of the greatest storylines since the NWO and has really, you know, every couple of years, there's a storyline that brings people back that may have kind of been uh, uh, off of wrestling for a while, say, oh, it's not for them, or it gets kind of whack or whatever. But I think that this Bloodline storyline is that for this generation. You know what I mean? Like, I think, um, you know, the Roman Reigns, Cody Rhodes main event is going to be something that uh, is, is going to surprise a lot of people. I think it's going to be brutal. I think it's going to be a great wrestling match. But I think the drama of what's been going on with Sami Zayn and, you know, Cody's family. And the first words you heard when Cody returned in his theme music is wrestling has more than one royal family. 
And the whole bloodline storyline has been about royal families and wrestling. And all this, this big shadow on top of that is the McMahon royal family, possibly. <laughs> you know what I mean? This might be the last WrestleMania that's owned by the McMahons. You know what I'm saying? True. So it's just like, yeah. there's just so much that could possibly happen in the next uh, year that, uh, you know, I'm really, really excited for uh, this year's WrestleMania, man. Uh, the card looks insane. Really looking forward to, you know, Charlotte and Rhea Ripley. Huge Bianca Belair fan. Um, Me too. Yeah, I think uh, you know Bianca Belair. I, I think she's she's gonna be, she is gonna be somebody who we look at in the same way we look at John Cena, just as far as like somebody who's just an absolute megastar and just you know I, I call her the FloJo of professional wrestling. You know what I mean? <laughs> like she just there's nothing she can't do, and she's like really legitimately one of the most gifted athletes on the planet with charisma to boot. So yeah. I love WrestleMania season. I love uh, all types of professional wrestling, not just WWE. But uh, I can't wait to get to L.A. this year, man. It's going to be so fun. Me too. I'm envious. I went to uh, WrestleMania the first time they went to Dallas. It's a fantastic experience. So, yes. yeah, you're going to have your, your hands full of all the events. Oh, so. oh yeah. Yeah, can't you're going to have a blast. Man. Yeah. Uh, thank you for joining us. Really appreciate it. Please let our audience and listeners know where they can find you on social media, um, all the shows you're on, and anything else you want their audience to know as well. <laughs> All right, let's take a deep breath. Let's do it. You can find me on social media at Kazim on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, on TikTok. My full name at Kazim Famiwide on Snapchat at Kazim. Uh, on I said YouTube already, right? Yes, on YouTube. <laughs> you can follow my podcast, Say Less with Kaz, Loki, and Rosie on my YouTube page, youtube.com slash Kazim. That's my music and culture show that I do with two of my best friends, my boy Loki from Apple Music, my homegirl Rosie. It's a great show. It's really fun. We got some great guests. Carlos Boozer was just on there this past week. He was fantastic. This week, we got my boy Hoodie Allen coming on the show, which is going to be great. You catch that every Monday on my YouTube page. Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday, you can catch me on uh, Points Bets Count It on their YouTube page. All the hoops talk you can handle, all the gambling props. My co-host, Ariel Epstein, one of the greatest minds in sports gambling, giving you the illest, illest, illest prop uh, bets every single night out she's such a beast with it um catch that four days a week you can catch me on master square garden msg networks on just random shows uh <laughs> throughout uh there's gonna be a, a whole lot more coming from me over there as well and if you're a wrestling fan you can catch me on the ring of wrestling show and the mass man show with Kaz. i'm a co-host david shoemaker on mondays and thursdays uh anywhere you stream podcasts as a part of the ringer wrestling network Awesome. This has been fantastic. Thanks for taking the time. Really, truly appreciate it. Thank you guys for being so patient, man. Keep killing oh, it. No problem. And I uh, appreciate you guys for having me, man. Thank you.